This is a Clark University podcast. RFU contains grown-up themes and occasional coarse language when they get carried away. Please take care while listening. Hi, screen professors. This is Ashling Lynch, and I am a screen studies alum and RFU's first two-time recommender. Recommended for you this week is the film The Banshees of Inishirin from 2022, made in Ireland and written and directed by Martin McDonough. The film stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. I'm a huge fan of this movie and the way it explores kindness and friendship versus authenticity and artistic expression. I've already seen this film three times, two of which were in theaters, and when I saw this movie in theaters, the audience I was with was absolutely hysterical. But I've had friends who didn't get this movie and thought that I was weird for finding any of this funny. I can't wait to hear what you all thought. This. This. This is recommended for you. For you. For you. A podcast where Clark University Screen Studies professors watch and discuss films suggested by the 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 community. We're back. <laughs> We're always back. I'm just laughing. We're always One back. One time I want to not We're be not back. doing this consistently whatsoever. Right. Right. right in the middle of the season. We're back. Wait, we were just not, here a week is ago. Is it the middle? Not... What is a season? Never not back. My name is Soren Sorensen. I'm Rock Sommer. I'm Hugh Mannon. And today we're discussing Martin McDonough's 2022 film, The Banshees of Inishirin. One of 10 films nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And this was suggested by Ashling Lynch on uh, Instagram uh, in no uncertain terms and in big all capital letters, Banshees. I've been reading things like, you know, this is a masterpiece. This is like a once in a lifetime film, mm. like uh, like really high praise for this film, which I mm. think is frankly bizarre. It's a front runner, but it's a small donkey running. <laughs> <laughs> Named Jenny. Named <laughs> Jenny. The Banshees of Inishirin stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, and it's about one friend, played by Brendan Gleeson, Colm, um, who decides to end his friendship with Padraig, right? Yeah. That's correct. And oddly, he decides to end his friendship based on the fact that Parik is dull, and that word gets used over and over again. So it seems like a very arbitrary and strange reason to end a friendship. It wasn't ended on the basis of some sort of affront or a problem, but rather just sort of a decision was made. I don't want to hang with you anymore. Stay away from me. You're dull. Which it's a delightful premise. Yeah. yeah. It's a good place to start writing from, I suppose, if you're given that prompt. I got to say, there's something about this film that I really don't like, but I can't put my finger on it. Uh, wow. dum <laughs> dum <laughs> We we gotta we have to record the spoilers. There's going to be spoilers <laughs> thing at the beginning. We need to talk about this film. Uh, I, I think in terms of its big spoiler, and I, I don't. I, there's a super spoiler. So right. So one of the things that happens in this film is that uh, Column, um, on the basis of this dullness of his <laughs> friend Park, I almost can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. But so what what happens essentially is this escalates, and it escalates in the form of Column threatening to and then in fact cutting his own fingers off as a form of feels to me like penance but uh, as a kind of threatening way of uh maybe trying to ensure that Parek does not talk to him and stays his distance and kind of keeps away um and in the end well close to the end the pet donkey jenny of Parek, Parek's pet donkey jenny chokes to death on one of the fingers 
Is that what happens? That's definitely what happens. It was unclear to me how the finger killed the donkey. But... So Colum threw the four fingers. So he cuts off one finger. That doesn't work. Parrot keeps talking to him. So he cuts off his other four fingers. We should say this is on on his left hand, his fiddle hand, right? His Sorry. fiddling yeah. hand. So he's a fiddler. <laughs> so he's a, he's a fat-fingered fiddler. not saying so many things right now, but keep going. And so he throws the four fingers at the door of, of uh, Parrot's house. Park comes back to discover, you know, the donkey is dead and kind of has thrown up some stuff. And amongst those things is like one of the fingers. The donkey choked on a finger, which doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Donkey certainly could ingest a finger. I'm not going to get into the plausibility of this whole thing. But, but I think the thing that you need, to, there's two things that need to be said about this. One is it's it's lazy screenwriting. So there's this kind of nonsense that's going on in this film that I really can't abide and I just need to call it out. So if you've got a situation early in the film where a guy threatens to cut off his fingers and you've got a character who he's opposed to in the film who has a donkey, the fingers in the donkey are, are on a <laughs> death course to, to meet up with one another at the end of the film. So if, if you know anything about how screenwriting works, like, of course, the donkey's going to eat one of the fingers and die. Like, it's kind of like, it's not, I'm not saying that I could, that I actually predicted it, but one could predict this. And it's, it's kind of such a dumb plot point that I can't figure out if he's being ironic with it. But I want to almost set that aside and just say, what pet owner, right? What pet (laughs) owner is not hyper aware of all the dangerous things that their pet could eat? But this is the early... I mean, it's not a pet either. I mean, it's like a it's a work animal. I mean, mean, he 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 has an unhealthy he has an unhealthy relationship with this donkey. But in general, it's a work animal. He lives out. Yeah, but the donkey comes in the house. He loves the donkey. It's pretty clear. It's not not unhealthy. They yeah, they're they're buddies. I don't think they're pals. All I'm saying is like from the standpoint, like he like I don't know who anyone's having any sex with in this movie. (laughs) I mean, now you're not even insinuating. You're just coming out and saying it. I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not joking when I say that, like, Parik is just a terrible pet owner. Like, he knows this guy's going to come throw fingers at his house. Like, just be a little more careful. Just... Like, keep the donkey inside or, like, be a little well, more aware. This is a confusing thing around the word dull. There, There's a question as to whether he's just simply bored. Like, the conversation doesn't go anywhere. There's not much going on in their lives in this remote, like, island with, like, 50 people apparently living in the town. Um, but there's also a chance that this is someone who's like, you know, not capable of having the yeah. sorts of conversations that his friend would want him to, and therefore also perhaps keeping his donkey away from fingers, among other things. Well, dull, dull is a is a strange choice because it it does seem like it does. I mean, watching this, I, you know, and I I hate to even bring it up, but this performance that this this being hailed and and you know again front i think this person is a front run, you know Colin Farrell's a, a front runner to to win or one of the front runners to win best actor in a couple of weeks um it it, it did remind me a little bit of Forrest Gump it, there there yeah. is a there, there is a little bit of a kind of you know this per, this guy's playing somebody that and and dull could be like sort of dull witted or or dim witted. I mean, I I didn't really read it I'm, in the in the screenplay. That, they're treating I mean, it like he's dull, like he has nothing to say. But yes, he's not capable of having worldly conversations, and he's not worldly in the way that Brendan Gleeson's character Colm clearly is. I yeah. think this film is trying to be a little bit philosophical about what 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 should we aspire to be. Like it is a question of ethics, and um, this question of whether. Where whether you should be like a good person or a smart person, um, whether you should be nice or make 
a contribution to the world. Like these are the be remembered. Be remembered. Yeah. Um, and it's poking fun at both sides. And so I'll say I think what I both enjoy the most and dislike the most, or are most frustrated by with this film, is its sense of humor. And I will say this filmmaker's previous film was one of the my least favorite films I've ever seen in a theater. What, three billboards? Yeah, I, I almost walked out. Mm. It offended me in large part because I couldn't understand the nature of the comedy, right? Like it wasn't a comedy. I understood that there was a comedy, there was a sense of humor going on, but I did not understand it. Mm. And here, I under, especially on second viewing, I, I get it a little bit more. And I do think I enjoy the first like half hour of this movie pretty substantially. I think it's like a. I do think it's a kind of cute, and that's not in a dismissive way, like setup premise. Like, why don't we have movies about like people, yeah, mid midlife being like, you know what, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of absurd in a very like down to earth absurd way because people don't do that, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. either you just marshal on, um, or you like you know ghost you like fade out and i guess it's a time and a place where like ghosting wasn't really viable because <laughs> you're the two of the few people on this place um so i think the premise is kind of interesting and i think it's very funny the first couple scenes with the repeated lines of are you rowing i don't think we're rowing are you rowing i didn't think we were rowing well you are rowing well you are rowing he's sitting outside in his own like a watchman call it does look like we're rowing Rowing, rowing, <laughs> <laughs> and repeating like like the the repetition tickles and yeah. and accentuates the humor of the premise, um, but then it's just like where it goes with that, including yeah, the like he threatens to cut off his fingers and and the first one like oh okay like we're in that movie, but like I don't yeah. feel like the next four do pay off. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, like, um, and where the film ultimately goes is like, meh. and that it's making fun of both of them and both sides, quote unquote, which is what like three billboards was doing too. Mm. Um, are these two sides like it, it, it? I feel the constructedness of the two sides when the joke is sort of evenly on both sides. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like take take a stand, like make a movie about how being nice is maybe more interesting than it appears to be, or make a movie about how art and contributing to the world is important. And these like losers need to like piss off. Like, like, but it's neither of those. And it's both these, it's like, these guys are both idiots. Ha ha ha. And I am, I, and we are smarter than the lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's so snobby. <laughs> it's snobby. <laughs> it's a snobby comedy. Um, ultimately. But at first it's funny. <laughs> I had the experience of seeing Lieutenant of Inishmore, which is one of Martin McDonough's plays. Seeing that play, and, and I, I won't even, I won't go into the plot or anything like that, but there's a point in the play where the lights go down for a couple seconds and then they come back up and there is blood everywhere on the stage. Multiple people have been wounded, essentially. Um, and it is this shocking and also kind of funny moment where this thing that, that, that's been going on has broken down to such an extent that it, there's, this, there's been violence. So it's, it's not... It's not funny, like, you, you laugh, but you can't help but laugh because it's so shocking and so violent and so gory, um, especially for theater, um, which is not really the, the place where you see that much kind of viscera, I suppose. So when I read one line about this film, there's a phrase that said something like, oh, alarming consequences. It says, two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their friendship with alarming consequences for both of them. 
I, I knew that the fingers were coming off like immediately when he meant when he made that threat because I had seen the, the lieutenant of Inishmore. If you don't stop talking to me, and if you don't stop bothering me, or sending your sister or your priest to bother me. I didn't send my sister to bother you, did I? She has her own mind. Although I did send the priest, only you have me there. What I've decided to do is this. I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears, and I'll take one of my fingers off with them, and I'll give that finger to you. A finger from my left hand, my fiddle hand. And each day you bother me more, another I'll take off, and I'll give you, until you see sense enough to stop, or until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. I was like, oh, so that's definitely going to happen. This isn't like an empty threat. He's going to cut all the fingers off and then some other horrendous thing is going to happen and it's going to end with, you know. And then this witch is running around saying like, I see two <laughs> deaths coming to Inishma. You know, and I was just like, oh, this is a mirror of this other, of this play in some ways. And I, it's, it was spoiled for me right from the start. So I, I was having, I, I had a hard time sort of staying in it after that like charming kind of setup, which I agree. I, I, I was in it in the start, of, you know, in the beginning of it. I thought it was, it was beautiful and funny and charming. So Yeah, I thought it was actually going to be a movie about like how men can't talk about their feelings and like that <laughs> would have been funny but they kind of process it pretty quickly isn't that what all movies are about <laughs> well, except they're not about <laughs> they don't know that that's what they're about <laughs> this film seems to know yeah. that it's being very deliberate about gender especially with the the sister character as this sort of like one who sees all mm. um and sees this the ridiculousness of the aspiration to like not talk to someone when already men don't talk and mm. um but i'm glad that she got out it was nice that she got out you know yeah. that, that sort of I, I like that part but also that you know that this character is not never gonna he's never gonna leave and that's the you're just kind of like okay he's just gonna cry about it and never you know just kind of like <laughs> it's yeah. just... i would have liked if he killed his friend and i thought that's where what we got because we got the whole elaborate burning the house down so so what if the nice guy becomes the bad guy like what if yeah. What if kindness is pushed to extreme violence? And technically it is because he does light the fire, but mm. then Column gets out. And well, he so wasn't like, in there. Or, yeah, yeah. He was he in the there. And oh, he yeah, that's right. He wasn't there, but he, but he leaves, right? That's right, yeah. He must must have gotten out because he's alive. I I, I I couldn't help but think, like, where's he going to live now? Do they Does everybody pitch in and rebuild his house? Like, what, just, you know, like, oh, oh these, those, those funny guys, they weren't friends for that one month or whatever. I'm trying to, like, figure out an inroad into this conversation and like the the more i kind of think about it i think i'm like disinterested in this film in a way that <laughs> is not the same way that you're disinterested in this film like i i i just like the, the 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 sort of quaint romantic ireland of the past thing just does not do anything for me it's just not but it's ironic of, right is it like i i don't know like i guess when you see all because <laughs> it's it's like this this you know, house and like a road along the coast. And then there's this town and it seems impossible that there's all these people walking on this little path back and forth to the town. And so maybe it's ironic and maybe like I'm completely with the film, but if I'm with the film, like what am I supposed to, I, I don't understand how I'm supposed to get interested in this. And I, I get like that the language is pretty funny and the performances are really good, but you know, it, it reminds me of stuff like Waking Ned Divine. But it's not romantic. Like that's like that's I think that must be what people yeah. it's speaking to is because you it isn't Waking Ned Divine. Yeah, it's like it, toxic it doesn't and have violent, right. Yeah. 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 
But but for the exact same reason, I just c- couldn't care less. Like this is a type of film that I have absolutely no use for whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> so so this is interesting because not that I thought you'd like it. Yeah. Um, I actually have a relatively hard time figuring out when you'd like things after doing this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But I did think you would be interested. Um, and that's largely what we're here on this podcast to do. Yeah. But I I thought, you know, being a Lacanian, I don't know. Like, so what's going on with, with castration here? The, it's the fingers. <laughs> Who loves castration? Totally. Five castrations outside in a Sheeran. <laughs> and, and, it should, and it should hit me that way. But like, I can't stop thinking about the fact that we've got this beautiful landscape that was obviously so carefully selected. You've got a pub that, from what I've read, was constructed on site. You know, to look exactly like an Irish pub from the 1920s, which it absolutely does. And it's very impressive in that regard. Amazing score by Carter Burwell, who does all these other amazing scores. So, I mean, there's a lot here that I should like. But then I look at those dumb, you know, prosthetic fake fingers on the ground. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, and kind of I, like so there's there's an element to this that's like there's just sort of a phoniness to what's going on that is so at odds with the way the landscape looks and this kind of romantic vision of the past that we get and and so forth that I can't, I I actually just don't believe that McDonough is thinking in on that level. Like this is a, the fingers are maybe a worse example than the fire. So like when the house is on fire, it's just obviously these bullshit CGI flames coming off the roof, at least in some of the shots, right? And so when I see that, I'm like, you're kidding me. You you use cheesy CGI effects in this movie? And when I see that, it shifts register for me in such a way that it just can't get me back. And I think the fingers are kind of the same way. Like when we see the hand, like with all five fingers cut off, extending yeah. out from the sleeve, I'm like, yeah, what? <laughs> you know, like, like, what? yeah, it just it just doesn't belong. Like it somehow yeah. it yeah. shifted out of its domain of kind of seriousness and you know, and and like plausibility and authenticity and so forth into this like very artificial thing that I just can't. I, I'm not articulating this well, but it does it it loses me and it does, and it never gets me back. I agree with you that he sort of he hijacked this kind of naturalistic. Um, beauty uh, and and music and photography and all this stuff and, and got us into this charming tale and then it became it was it's not even macabre or creepy or suspenseful it's just like g- kind of gross and sloppy and and and, and that's yeah, it I don't know that, it. that's it so I yeah. am I supposed to be impressed that a character cuts off his own fingers because I'm not impressed like I've seen a shitload of movies with a lot oh weirder God. stuff than yeah. that in them and so I'm kind of like okay. Like, big deal. Guy cut his fingers off. Like, this is a movie. Yeah. I expect people to cut their fingers off. More fingers cutting yeah. off, please. Like yeah. that. By the way, as a, as a horror fan, like yeah. I, I can't believe people don't watch horror movies because they're so grossed out by it. And this movie's up for an right. Academy Award. And it's got I mean. five gross fingers being cut off of this guy's hand. And it's like, everyone's like, isn't it beautiful? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre. There's something about someone chopping off their fingers that is more disturbing to me than many other like more fatal oh yeah or like uh, like objectively yeah. like just awful things yeah like it got me and what especially got me in this version was the sound design so like i couldn't look at them so like when i rewatched it and deliberately didn't look because i knew exactly then i hear <laughs> them and it's almost worse <laughs> 
It's almost worse to hear the thud. And why is it so loud? It was as if he threw like a sock with a with a with a billiard ball in it or something like that. Like I don't. Yeah, that when it bangs on the door and it's just one finger hitting it the first time. That was kind of a shocking bit of uh, sound design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've written a bit about this and kind of thought a bit about you know that films are really good. Films have actually honed over the course of a century plus um, honed what you could call like a a castration aesthetics but like there's an aspect to this film which is kind of doing this irish grotesque thing like it almost reminds what it reminds me a ton of is it seems like a kind of ham-fisted attempt to do sort of what flannery Flannery o'connor does in her short stories but it's nowhere near as severe and intense as what flannery o'connor does it's just the guy cutting Mm. off his fingers like and in the context Mm. of movies that that it just doesn't really register for me in the same way. Like, I, I agree that the film is gross. You know, there's no question that this is like, it can hit you yeah. viscerally, but like somehow like what he's doing with it and how it works and just, you know, he does one finger and then he does four more. Like what? It's just, I mean, greater so, suspense right. would be to take it one at a time, oh, but yeah, also like no this suspense ca- in this movie, right? <clears throat> this yeah. characterization of Podrick as, as dull quote unquote, as he is, I think most people watching this would would at least after the first finger is cut go, oh, oh, he means it. I really like don't talk to him. Go at least weeks or months, right? Like, like try your hardest yeah. to avoid him. Yeah, because you're causing him, him self-harm or something, right? Mm. As, as if that's even possible. Yeah. But this character can't do that. Like his impulse mm-hmm. with the first thumb is to like collect it and return it. Yeah. And we're supposed to find that charming about this character, I suppose, I, which is bizarre. I do think it, I do find it charming, but yeah. it also suggests that there isn't the tension here that could be, right? Like if this is a character who can't understand the consequences that are being presented to him, then it's not that interesting that they're being yeah. presented to him. So there's a certain, there's a sense in that, that that violence is actually the virtue that makes you less dull. Um, and then you have the character, the supporting character, um, whose father is the police officer who who's beating beating him, the younger kid. Dominic. Dominic, right, the character of Dominic. Um, and sexually abusing him, supposedly. Yeah, yes, and ab- abusing him, right. But this character is senselessly violent and he's and he's bad and he, he's going to go witness an execution, you know, over you know, during the Irish Civil War. Um, and, but that and, and that this character, even though he's offensive um, and and violent and all this stuff, he's bad. But I'll hang out with him because he's not as dull. It's just I, I I had a hard time understanding that actually at the level of screenplay. I think I think I think we're supposed to in how it's performed and and shot. Like I think we're supposed to think Columns questioning his, <laughs> like I think Columns yeah. thinking that his life is right, is right. limited because of this one person and realizing maybe <laughs> no one around him can offer what he needs from others, yeah. and he like needs it for himself, like. I don't like there's so many different movies this almost was that I actually think I might have really been into, but it can't decide which one it is. Do you think it do you think there's something to the fact that um, Colm is clearly acting in a way that anybody would classify as psychotic, but yet nobody in the film calls it out as such. And I'm not saying that they would use the word psychotic. I'm just saying. Yeah, they do say depressed in it, right? Depressed, but they, they don't say they never say he's mad. Podrick does. <laughs> mm. He he has this scene where he's like, where where Colum asks him if he's insane. I don't know how he puts it. And Podrick says, no, I'm not insane. And I have 10 fingers to prove it. Yeah. How many do you Good. have? Yeah, right. that's true. Right, right. 
but but I guess it's like that that guy's dull. So if he's call, calling me insane, then I must be, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's bizarre. Like they're just at odds, and and yeah, you're right. His behavior is is completely unacceptable on any level. I mean, he's 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 ending the thing that he loves the most, which is being able to play the fiddle in order to cause the, the other guy, you know, pain and suffering and trauma. It just makes no sense. I mean, here's yeah. here's another kind of read of this that I think maybe gets us someplace too. It, it, it's the idea, and I saw, this is not my idea. I saw this in somebody's review of the film, and I think there's, there's a good jumping off point, that the film is like a fable. So it's the fable of the, of the fiddler who cut off his own fingers, you know, so it has mm-hmm. this really yeah. ancient quality to it in the sense that when you actually, if you were to tell this to someone instead of showing it to someone in, in the form of a film, if you just gave somebody like a, a paragraph long version of this, it would seem like an Aesop's fable kind of situation. But the, the, that maybe what McDonough is doing is taking this fable structure and kind of um, tale and transplanting that tale into a world that is very three-dimensional, realistic, authentic. You know, it feels very grounded. We, we have a very strong sense of what this world's like when the film is over and that those two things just don't go together and that that's his whole point. I mean, if I was going to give him the benefit mm. of the doubt, like maybe that's the maneuver. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, like on some level, that combo is exactly what turns me off. Like I just don't. I, I I don't feel like being at odds with myself for two hours. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not into digesting a fable if at the same time, like I've got to appreciate the fact, you know, I, I don't know. Like if the film is sort of playing this insincere game, why should I go along with a, on the, on the ride with that insincerity? It's just hard. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, but what what yeah. were they supposed to learn? Because I think if they were supposed to learn, or if we were supposed to learn something, it is that all of this is in misdirection, and that the real, like that no one is actually giving. So it t- ties back to this policing, less about him being a policeman and more about him being a father, and that the real genuine consequences faced, I guess, are for the donkey and for Dominic, who mm-hmm. like commits who commits suicide. Um, and that we're so we and the town are so caught up in Podrick versus Column to like not see or care what's going on with Dominic seems to be like the lesson to be learned. And I do think it has to do with some sort of sexual politics that is also difficult for me to pin down as that this is an unusual film about a, a, exclusively adult people from like their 20s through their 50s or 60s, um, none of whom are wed or partnered. And Dominic, uh, the one who commits suicide, is the only one who seeks change in that. This trouble between Padraig and Colm is bullshit. The real trouble is with this abusive father and his son. Like, I think it's a fair question to raise in a in a like homosocial environment like this is is like repressed homosexuality which the priest does raise but it felt like it was raised on the script level because it needed to be otherwise we might all worry i don't know or wonder and so it's it's raised to be dismissed when i guess another thing that could be going on here but i don't think the film is convincingly doing it is is that is that there is a there isn't a love attraction a past a something between our two protagonists that's not being worked through yeah 
Like that that could be another story where like what what is revealed in the end is is that when they were teenagers something happened and and they've both moved on and agreed never to talk about it but now one of them is at odds with that. Yeah, I really like that read. I really like that read. So that this is a so what we're seeing here is the expression of something that's deeply repressed but it's repressed in their own personal history. Yeah. 20 years prior or whatever. And, yeah. and that's why, so that the re cause clearly the reason that he supplies for not wanting to hang with Parik, he's dull, doesn't make sense. Like it just doesn't hold water. And so the question that you would want to ask is what is it, you know, like it's the Freudian question. You're saying you want this, but what are you really aiming at in saying that? So you're saying you, you want me to never talk to you again, but what are you aiming at? There's some shame about something, right? Sure. Otherwise, why is Colum and Siobhan not together like if they are the two intellectuals of the island and i know like i hear the asexual screaming but like this isn't a story about like a little island of like an asexual colony like <laughs> this is highly <laughs> abnormal in a historical sense like this woman yeah. would yeah. not be unmarried like and i don't even care however she identified or however she felt about men or sex or anything there's no way that woman's unmarried at that age Right. Like, in, right? In like, like patriarchy would not allow it. Right. Like, so like, it's just a really confusing sexual scenario. Yeah. You know, you talk about the absence of marriage where there should be a marriage. There's also the absence of work where there should be work. So you can point to the fact that uh, Parik is a milk farmer and you can point to the fact that Siobhan does laundry, but you never see them do laundry. You never see him milking cows. So this is like a film. You see him selling though. You, you, see you do see him selling and delivering for, the milk, for like right, a yeah, second, yeah. right? It's there yeah, just like yeah. very briefly. But you would think sure. that, you know, for these people who are living this sort of um, agrarian lifestyle that you'd see an awful lot more work and it doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't materialize. And I want to ask you something else that I, I can't figure out. Like, so I can't figure out why there's no work represented on screen. There's obviously a reason for it, and I don't know what it is. There's also that, this is just a, a an actual what is going on question. There's that scene on the cliff where Siobhan is, she's on the boat. She can see him. He's very tiny up on the cliff. Then when we mm. cut to a shot of him up on the cliff, clear in the background behind him is this black figure, this sort of thing. It's the witch. And it's, it's got to be the witch, but they never, <laughs> why do they never snap the camera into focus to show you that it's yeah. the witch? It's just left ambiguous. It's such a great Lacanian gaze moment. Like that's the gaze, right? What is that blot behind his shoulder? And we never see it. It's so creepy. It's exactly that weirdly triangulated space. And I think it just struck me that they took such great pains to establish that weirdness. Yeah. And then it just doesn't, never paid it off. It doesn't yeah. pay off. It's just like, well, what was yeah. that about? And it's just never mentioned again. So I, yeah, this question of would we RFU? So this is for me, you know, this is just an extremely frustrating <laughs> film. I'm not sure that I would say no, don't watch it. I, I just think like maybe I should watch it again. Maybe I just, maybe I truly didn't get it. And that's very possible. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, I wouldn't recommend this film, but I clearly got more out of it than Hugh did. And so I don't know what it I don't know what it means when Hugh's like, I don't know, and then I'm like, I thought I was a no. To be very honest, like part of it is just when when a when a popular film is recommended, my default stance is that I don't like it. So like if somebody says, you know, okay, so everybody's saying, you know, before we watch this, um, I don't recall Soren, I think you said to me, everybody says mm. this film's great. Like, and if you go online, it's just like 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody, all the reviews are, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm, I'm like, 
my default, my starting point is, yeah, I'm sure that I'm not going to like it. And so I'm already yeah. sort of at odds with like how it goes, but I can be won over, you know? So if the film really starts doing something great, then I can absolutely be won over to its side and kind of feel like, okay, uh, this is great and everybody's right. But that's not what happened here. I think Martin McDonough is a great writer. I just, at some point, I just, I'm not following him anymore into whatever he, he's doing. Yeah. I don't think he thinks he's a great writer. No, I don't. I, I like I, actually, the, I thought the setup was cool. I liked, the, I, I actually really like the dialogue. I mean, in, in general, which is most yeah. of the film is dialogue. I mean, you know, but, but yes, I agree with you with the level of plot and things like that. Or it was, it, it became difficult. But I, I thought the setup was just like Rock said. I thought the setup was. Yeah. I like the, I like the premise. Tonic, engaging. Yes. Yeah. The problem too is, my bar for great writing in the realm of the grotesque is Flannery O'Connor. And this is like mm. a, a one <laughs> on the scale, yeah. on the one to 10 scale of Flannery O'Connor greatness. So I thought five castrations was going to be enough to bring you around. Mm. Um, it was, it, it's But it's, it's not five. It's one. And then another <laughs> one that it was like times four. It's like, it's like one, it's like there's some kind of, but algebraic. do you think he did all four at once and one swoop or like, no, I think it was five castrations, but but they're but they're not five events. These are the, the big film, questions so. we're getting to yeah. at the very end here. <laughs> that's a pretty fast castration. That, that's a really interesting thing, actually. Yeah, I mean, does it count? How do you do it? Do, you know, if you're going to do castration, uh, if you cut four fingers off at one time, does that count as one castration or four? Wow, that's the difficult never, question never that this film that poses. <laughs> Thank you, Ashling. Thank you, Ashling. <laughs> That was a turn. Recommended for you is a Clark University podcast. All opinions expressed are those of the faculty participants. If you'd like to recommend a film for an upcoming episode of RFU, email us at rfu at clarku.edu. That's rfu at clarku.edu. Or you can leave a voicemail with your suggestion at 508-798-4355. The Recommended for You podcast is produced by Andrew Hart for Clark University. Music by Jimmy Jackson. RFU logo by A.J. Simmons. The ham and cheese of Sandwich Sharon. Um, fannies and stinky lemon. <laughs> the chimpanzees are pants wearing. The band sneeze of Yuri Gagarin. <laughs> Yuri Gagarin, who is a Russian cosmonaut, right? Right. Which, right? That's why he can't sneeze. <laughs> the bad shins of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> um, man sees a hellish demon. The land speeds of Helen Mirren. The van needs a windshield clearance.